Good morning. I remember years ago I used to, uh, some of you were there, <clears throat> about a whole generation growing up, the children back at Zion, some of them are now older and have children here, and I don't think they have youth yet here. I would say good morning, a children's lesson, a great chorus of good mornings come out. Maybe you can do that and bring back good memories and soothe my nerves. <clears throat> good morning. Good morning. There you go. <clears throat> I remember a visiting preacher said, how do you get those children to say good morning like that? He just couldn't fathom that. Well, thank the Lord for his word and things we heard so far this week. Our prayer is that God would work in a mighty way. Am I on here on this? I'm good. I was blessed by the song we sang this morning, or every thought and step preside, and you'll see how significant that phraseology is, or that, that phrase, as we move along this morning. But let's begin with prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you that you're our Father. Thank you that you do all things well and you make no mistakes. And Lord, we ask that as we share together, all of us, Lord, that we would be edified, we'd be encouraged, we'd we'd be instructed in the ways of righteousness. And Father, our prayer is that we would understand your principles, and Lord, that they would be a blessing in our lives and not a curse. We look to you, Father, this morning in Jesus' name, amen. The uh, subject matter that we have this morning is appreciating authority, and I'm sure there's a, a chemical reaction going on already in some of you and probably all of you. Some, sometimes this subject, this title, it brings thoughts of pleasantness, and some it brings thoughts of turmoil. And my prayer is that after we look through this subject this morning, and also in the group discussions, that there would just be maybe a better balance or a greater balance in in what uh, in how you look at this subject because we all are from different perspectives we all are in different circumstances and some of these things we all have different authorities and so we would just like to Pray for me because I don't know all of your situations and 
so I'm not going to necessarily address all of those situations. But I'd like to just touch on a few basic principles that we can maybe that that can help us form form our uh, conclusions. Get my bearings here on my time so I don't run you late. <clears throat> when we consider appreciating authority, I thought of that definition. I was trying to think if the the committee came up with the right title. Appreciate has a few different meanings thanks to our English language. One is to recognize the full worth of or being grateful for something. Another one is understand fully and recognize the full implications. And the third one, which doesn't apply to in, in a major way, is that appreciate means to rise in value or price. This morning, I don't want to make an elephant in the room if there isn't one, but if there is, I want to at least address it. <clears throat> I recall um, standing right, right in this area here a number of years ago, I, used to, I did the job that Randall did. Uh, Randall was, is the your moderator this week. He's doing a good job. And... Um, not that I'm any authority on saying whether he's doing a good job or not. But the uh, I remember a number of years ago, I, I was standing right here as a moderator right at the beginning, yesterday morning, Monday morning. And I was trying to um, bridge the gap between you and the, the YBC committee. And and I, I don't know if I did a very good job of it, but I was trying to <clears throat> help help you understand where they're coming from and help them understand where you're coming from. Because I wasn't I didn't uh, I, I had moved away. I wasn't really part of the uh, part of the committee anymore. So I said, well, you know, I don't carry much weight. I'm just here doing a job. So I'm a little bit like you all, and uh, <clears throat> but I was—I remember I was trying to help the student body understand that we, we as a, a YBC committee, well, it was wasn't me then, but it was them. We really have—we're we're not out for a fun job. I guess you could maybe put it that way. And uh, the way I explained it is, if the YBC committee, the, the, the local church here, if they were looking for a fun job, the chances are that you would have never darkened the doorway, you know, coming in here. If we want a fun job, we'll probably find something else to do. Now, it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable, but um, so when we consider appreciating authority, it's a little awkward for me to stand up here and say, now you need to appreciate me, you know, because I'm your authority. 
that can have its element of awkwardness. And so I just want to assure you that I'm not out for a lark here. Um, but I am out to try and help help you understand the principle of authority as, as God has it for us. And so I thought I'd just put an elephant in the room because a lot of times we, we, we think about these things but we don't really talk about them. So I just want to address it up front. And I'm not sure if I'm doing a good job of it either, but <clears throat> I think you understand what I mean. Parenting is, is hard work. And we're probably going to talk a lot about parents or mother and father this morning in this principle of authority. There are many other different aspects of authority that we can, we can touch on and would be profitable to touch on. Um, and I hope with the group discussion and some of those things can kind of help broaden out some of the, some of the topic. <clears throat> but I, I just have to think when I, when I look at, you know, my... You know, my beginning stages, you know, I was married a little over 20 years ago. And, you know, the, just the, the process of child training and, and now I have youth and, in my home and, and uh, all those different stages. <clears throat> I just had to think again as I was preparing for this message. You know, I've had a lot of times of joy. But I also have a lot of times of embarrassment. And, you know, I, I could go all morning. And I, I was thinking of um, encouraging my mom to come. I thought she would probably be a good one to stand up here and talk about me, you know. And all of the uh, embarrassing things that I put her through. <clears throat> Just to help us, remind us that we're we're not really out for a picnic in this this whole process. I mean, my mind goes back to when I was holding a a two year old in my uncle's fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary uh, celebration, and the line was long, the, the uh, receiving line. And I was holding my two year old, and it just got kind of long for him. And suddenly, he just couldn't wait any longer. And so, for some reason, his diaper didn't seal very well at that crucial point in time. And so my front looked like I was standing beside the kitchen sink for about an hour and a half and splashing water all over the place. But, you know, I had to continue going down the, the receiving line and act like, like no, no elephants in the room, you know. <clears throat> Or you can have parents that deal with teenagers. They can hardly live with you for a while because you want to drive. Can I drive? Can I drive? Can I drive? I can drive the car around. You know, you, all those things. You know, there's, it, it's work. It's, it's embarrassing. And I'm not accusing you because I did that and worse to my parents. It's just I'm pointing out that... <clears throat> There's more to this picture than just trying to gather 140 students in here and 
putting you under our thumb. The picture is quite larger than that. But we do want to help you understand this principle. And I wondered sometimes as I was considering this, how can we appreciate if we don't understand authority? And hopefully we can maybe go through a few things that might help us understand just a little bit more. I want to look at some Bible characters this morning. And the first one, I wanted to consider Nehemiah. And I was thinking, just recently I had this in, uh, in our local church. I talked about Nehemiah and the, some of the principles that I drew out from his, his life. How many of you are relatively familiar with the account of Nehemiah? Okay. It's, it, it's not just, I mean, I, I rem, when I was really young, it was kind of mystical in my mind about Nehemiah, but... And I, I still don't really have it uh, clearly rooted in my heart. And, but as I studied it, I, was, I saw a few key things that stood out to me. Number one was patience. Nehemiah was patient. When he was the cupbearer for the king, and when he first heard about the plight of Jerusalem, uh, where he had come from, <clears throat> from that moment... Till he told the king. If you're familiar with the story, he was very distraught. He was distressed. Okay? And so he, he later had an opportunity to tell the king. Can anybody tell me, uh, just the student body here and those that weren't at uh, our church, can anyone tell me how long it was from the time he heard about it till he told the king? Anybody else? Okay, anyone want to guess? Huh? Seven years? No. Wasn't seven years? 21 days? No. It was four months. As near as we can tell in the uh, chronology, it was four months from the time that he heard about Jerusalem till till he actually had an opportunity to tell the king. And he didn't just jump on it. He waited until it was a proper time, and the time was right. And actually, I think it was through circumstances a little bit beyond his control, the king saw he was distressed and asked him what the problem was. So patience, four months, patience. Many times you have an idea I have an idea. And we can be pretty excited about our ideas. And so our, uh, our speech betrays our excitement about our ideas. But I would encourage you as you um, look at Nehemiah's life and see the success that Nehemiah had later on, I think this key of four months... Uh, This four months was key, and I don't think there's a perfect magic number uh, about that or anything significant about four months other than it was just a period of time had gone by. 
A lot of times, time has a way of uh, conditioning our minds and helping us. And then when you approach your authority, it, 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 that speaks a lot to that you have had time. You've had time to meditate. You've, you've considered some things more than just a split-second impulse. But I know what it's like to think pretty fast. Next point, <clears throat> and uh, I apologize, I'm going to have to look here. I had hopes to have what uh, another brother is controlling right now. I had hoped to have it right here so that I could go through the sequence of points on the screen, <clears throat> but we had a last-minute glitch, and it didn't communicate that far, so... So we're uh, going to work our way through this the best we can. So the next point, and, and I don't have all of those points clearly written on my, <coughs> my paper notes here, so that's why I have to refer a little bit. And I about can't read back there, but... <coughs> Sorry. The next point that I thought significant was that he... He sought the king's blessing. And as he continued on in his, in his life, or in, in that experience there, the fact that he sought the king's blessing uh, was, it, it was going to make or break his, his success. <clears throat> he had to have the king's blessing in order to accomplish what he wanted to. And he was able to accomplish that. And he did, did very well. And the next point <clears throat> comes in as he went with authority. And when you have, you allow time to condition your, your uh, request, you seek the blessing of your authority, then you will very likely go with authority. And you can apply that in, in many different areas in your life, whether it's it, uh, living in, in uh, submission in God's order as a young person, and then you step into marriage and, and positions of authority or whatever. That, uh, those, those things give you a credibility like you never can imagine. You're... you're uh, your credibility when you are in authority is not based upon how independent you were before you were in authority. <clears throat> it's just good to remember that. That was how my experience was, and I can tell you a hundred times over. If I tell you once, I can tell you a hundred times that any credibility that you get when you're in authority has a lot to do with how you were under authority. And the last point there was he overcame obstacles with triumph. And if you go into, we're not really going to go into Nehemiah's life in detail, but if you can go through there, you can see that the steps that he took, it made the way. He was able to overcome uh, obstacles, distractions, deceptions, all those things. 
clearly because of the pattern he set before. He, he did not run ahead of God. He sought the blessing of his authorities. And he went with authority and he was able to accomplish the task that he was called to do. Next person I'd like to look at is Joseph. And I am just majorly impressed with Joseph, particularly so in the last year. Our small church has been going through the book study and the life of Joseph on the book Integrity. And that has just uh, kind of illuminated uh, the life of Joseph and for our fellowship there in many ways. It's been a real blessing. Just a couple points in Joseph's life is Joseph maintained an attitude of respect in his younger years. And in his older years, he bowed down to his father. And later on in life, after he was pretty much the most powerful man in the world at the time, he bowed down to his father. And he, he implored his father. He gave respect and honor to his father. When he was the when when he was pretty much the most powerful man in the world. And I might have this a little bit in reverse, but another point was he improved his surroundings wherever he was. And he did not become this victim mentality. And it was like uh, like some uh, in, in the Bible story tapes that I used to listen to, <clears throat> like Daniel told his his three friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said, "If we think and act like slaves, we're sure enough going to be treated like slaves." Exactly, and so uh, elevate the mind and think uh, think more noble thoughts and aspire to greater things and improve the surroundings where you're in. And, and Joseph did that in a very real way. And he became, he became well-liked. And God was able to use him in a mighty way. Simply because he improved his surroundings, whether it was in, in, the, uh, in the prison cell, whether it was in Potiphar's house, doing the menial tasks, and he became... You know, it, it actually, if you look at Joseph's life, the roles switched. Who became the servant in Potiphar's house? Potiphar did. He said, I don't know a thing that's going on here except the bread that I'm eating. That sounds like a servant. Sounds like a slave. And here, who was, who was the master? You know, the, the roles suddenly just changed. Simply because Joseph... He did not have a slave mentality, he, he, uh, but he, he chose to value his authorities and, and serve them, serve them well. And then the memory verse, which I didn't have written down here, and we can all recite that together. 1 Peter 2.18, everyone, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the gentle, but also to the froward. Isn't that a good verse to remember? Think of that next time you have a little difficulty with your parents.
Let's go to David quickly here. David, he rejected the opportunity to avenge himself. He rejected the opportunity to even the score and, and get revenge. And what did I put down? Sidestep the opposition. And, and that account was there in, I think it was in 1 Samuel. I think I had the reference here on 1 Samuel 24, verse 6. He said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. His men were trying to get him to, to get rid of Saul because right there he was taking a nap. And all he had to do was just finish him off. He said, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. Now, if there was ever a man that was demon-possessed, it was Saul. And he was actually a father-in-law to Saul, to, uh, to David. And he was demon-possessed. And would hardly be a likely candidate to have somebody be submissive to. But David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Because he recognized a higher principle than just what met the eye right there. He recognized that here was a man that was put in a position that I need to honor and respect to the best of my ability. Okay, he, he rejected that opportunity. And the next point that we have there, he sought the king's blessing. Remember when, when he was called upon to go fight Goliath? He, uh, he sought the king's blessing. He didn't just run out there on his own. I mean, this is big stuff. He was going out against the enemy of Israel who dared to defy the armies of the living God. And, but he went, and he went to a coward. He went to Saul, the one that was cowering back and, and wasn't uh, doing what he should have been doing. He went to Saul and he asked him permission. And we see, we know what happened there. <clears throat> As we understand that account, he went out and he slew the giant and he brought the victory. For the children of Israel. He was under authority. Okay then. The last uh, number of points. uh, All these last three points here. I believe are the same as they were for Nehemiah. They sought the king's blessing. They went with authority. And consequently they overcame. The obstacles with triumph. Okay. Now I'd like to move on, continuing this concept of appreciating authority. Now this is probably where it's going to get a little difficult with our little glitch that we have here this morning. I am considering God using our authorities to build character in our lives. And I have a little bit of a diagram that I kind of want to build together. And so... Uh, bear with us as we try and work through these 
these difficulties. But I'm hoping once once we see the diagram, once we understand the uh, the principle, that that it can make sense for us and can be a blessing in your life, and my life. God looks at you and me as diamonds in the rough. So we have God, and we have you and me down at the bottom. And, it's a, and we're like diamonds in the rough. In Malachi, we are spoken of as jewels. And God wants to make each of us as gems in his kingdom. And he wants to conform us to the image of Christ. That's his utmost purpose, is to conform us to the image of Christ. And what does he do to accomplish that? Well, he puts people in our lives that, that help us and shape us. And so when we're born, we have a mother and a father. And I don't know if you can get that sequence in there. We have a father and a mother. And now we're in the process. We're a diamond in the rough, right? And so what do we need to, to purify us and to uh, move away the things that hinder us? So you can look at your mother as a chisel and you can view the father as a hammer. Now you want to be careful. This is not to illustrate the relationship between a husband and wife. Make sure you understand that. And it's not even really a chain of command, per se. But this is more of a young person's perspective as we look upward. We see a hammer and a chisel. And the next thing we need to understand is we need to understand that Our parents are ordained by God for our benefit. Our parents are ordained by God for our benefit. The next thing is we need to see that their heart is in the hand of the Lord. So who controls the hammer and the chisel? As you can see, it's God. Because the the Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Or our authorities, their hand is in the Lord. And their heart is in the Lord. And and, uh, God says, I'll put the pressure on and you have the patience. So, uh, we, you know, he, he, he he wants, he puts the pressure on, we have the patience But what do we say? We say, well, God, I have a better idea. But I put the pressure on, and you have the patience. God says, well, I don't need the patience. You do. In Romans 5, verse 3, it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, And patience, experience, and experience, hope. 
And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which he has given to us. So in this process of a hammer and chisel, and hopefully you can can see it there, the the heart of the king, the heart of our authorities are in the hand of God, and there is a purifying, and it does hurt. When there's pressure, there's things that come into our lives, and we need to remember that they're for our benefit, and for God has a purpose and a plan. And he wants to chip away those things, the rough parts, to expose uh, the, uh, the gem that he wants to see in us. He wants Christ formed in us. Well, what happens, though, usually, and I can look at my experience, I'm sure many of you can look at your experience, we rebel against God and his plan. We rebel. And we resist. Like I said earlier, you know, we don't like this pressure. We don't like that, uh, that we need to exercise this patience. And, and we, we would rather switch the things around. We want... We want to put the pressure on, and, and you know, others can have the patience. I want to consider Proverbs 30, verse 17, says, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. What is the first thing that a raven does when he comes to a, a dead animal? I don't have it scientifically proven, but I understand that one of the first things that birds like that do is they go and pick the eye. They pick at the eye. Why so? Can anybody tell me? Why would a raven pick at the eye? John? Probably to see if it's dead. Exactly. Because if, uh, if a, an animal does not defend its own eye, it's dead. Well, I I want you to remember that illustration because there are many people more and more in this day and age that are able to spot rebellion in the eye of a young person. And they are more than ready to lay out a whole plan of action for a young person that has rebellion in the eye, resistance to authority. And... It's a warning that God has in the scriptures. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. That's why God warns, if you step out of under authority, you step out of under God's order, you're opening yourself as an easy target for the enemy and for destruction in your life. And you can try and, and slice and dice this any way you want, any way you can think of, any way you can imagine, and, and try and think how in this circumstance it's, it's okay. I can, I can kind of find my own way through this situation. But remember, be not deceived. God is not mocked. If we choose to step out of under authority... And under God's protection, under his plan, then we are opening ourselves to destruction.
that's a strong reason why we would encourage you as young people to appreciate authority. Find a way that you can appreciate and understand this principle. God's goal is still, even if we reject him in this way, God's goal is still that, his, that Christ is formed in you. To be conformed to the image of Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if we reject God, what does he do? Well, a lot of times he just brings other authorities into our lives, but only usually they're bigger authorities and even harder. So the chisel gets bigger and the hammer gets bigger. And and we wonder why life gets so rough. And I can I, I can even remember my first cousin. He uh, he made a lot of these choices wrong in his in his youth. As he got older, he had his second or third wife. I remember him calling to his mom on the phone, and he's in tears. He's saying, "What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve this?" And and some people. They, they, they can tell you, they can talk to you about all the troubles that they're having in their life, the difficulties. And sometimes you wonder how many chisels and how many hammers are going to wear out. Because they just did not learn their lessons. And as many of us learn in school, if you didn't pass the test, guess what? You had to take it again. And so let's remember that... It works the best when we, when we consider, when we go back to God's original plan, father and mother, and we respond to those uh, promptings, we respond to those pressures, and that's probably going to be your best, your best option, the best way that you can learn. This is another warning in Proverbs 29, verse 1. It says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck and shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. So you can put it back to the, I think the next frame has the, the original, yeah. Christ be formed in you. That's a gem. It's out of the rough. And that's, that's God's ultimate desire, is to see Christ formed in you. I'd like to tell you just a little bit of a story. There was one day a young girl that came to her pastor, and she said, she said that I'm praying for my parents, that they would become Christians. And the pastor said a very strange thing. I think he knew a little bit of her situation. And he said, well, I'm sorry, but I don't think your parents are going to become Christians. And she was rather shocked and wondered, why would you say that? He said, well, what I think you have done 
you have positioned yourself above your parents. And you kind of consider yourself, now that you're a Christian and they're not, you kind of consider yourself to be a bit above them and superior. And so you kind of make your own decisions. And then you come to your parents and you just tell them what you're going to do rather than ask them. And, of course, you know, everyone can probably think, well, they're unsaved. Why should I ask them? And so he said in, in position, what you've done is, is you've you put yourself above them. And it's one thing for your parents to humble, your, humble themselves under a holy God. But it's another thing for them to humble themselves under a, a resistant teenager. A rebellious teenager. Don't ask them to do that. Don't ask them to to humble themselves under you. And she looked at him, and she was rather shocked. She said, "You know, you're right. I think you're right. So what what do I do about that?" And he said, "Well, I would encourage you to go home and and tell your parents that you're sorry. Tell your parents you're sorry." That you put your put yourself above them, and and just kind of sidestep them, and did not uh, seek their counsel as as you could, and and so on. And so she did that. Encouraged her to go home and do just that. A few months later, this pastor went into this home, and he was talking to the uh, to the mother there. And the mother was pretty excited. She said, uh, I, we, we are really taking a keen interest in God's word recently. And she said, do you want to know why? Well, yeah. pastor said, I'd, I'd be glad to know why. She said, well, a while back, our daughter came, came home from one of your meetings. And uh, she apologized. She said she's sorry for putting herself above, above us. And she, she said what she wants to do from now on, she wants, to, she, she wants to discern God's will through her parents. And they're unsaved. But she wants, she wants to have that order, and she wants God to reveal his will through them. And so the lady was here telling the pastor that, and she said, you know, that frightened her, my husband and I. And so we decided we better, we better start looking into the word and seeing what, what the word says so that we can help our daughter if she needs help. And uh, the man said, well, he asked her if she would like to have the author of that book in her heart. And become a vibrant part of her life that she would have the wisdom to impart to their daughter. And she said she would. And that lady was born again that day. She came to the Lord. She accepted the Lord as her Savior. She believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was saved. Why? Because a daughter chose to go home and repent. And, and tell her parents, ungodly as they were, that she wants to 
find direction through them to the best of their ability, to, to, to the best of the situation that we can. So the question I'd like to ask, ask you today is, I can find my notes here. How many of you are willing to sacrifice the eternal destiny of your parents? Or you can, you can mold this situation. You can put different names in there, different situation. How many of you are willing to sacrifice the eternal destiny for your independence? To gain your independence. So I would just like to consider a few more um, pictures here. Last August, how many of you had the opportunity to see the total solar eclipse? Oh, that's a fair amount. I feel sorry for the rest of you. That was an experience that I will not forget for a long time. And but I remember a couple of years before, two, three years before this eclipse came, I remember doing some research and looking at some maps, and, and I pulled up a map similar to this, and it had that, that path of totality. And... It didn't take me very long to realize that that 70-mile-wide 70, 70 path on August 21st, 2017, is going to be a focal point in, in the U.S. And I wasn't mistaken. When that day came, there was uh, many miles traveled to get in the line of totality. And I, I immediately put that into perspective of God's, um, God's plan, God's order. And I had to think of a message I had heard prior to that, entitled was, Where God Commands a Blessing. Where God Commands a Blessing. And anyone that wanted to see totality... Totality, I think I have a picture of that. Anyone that wanted to see totality had to get back, had to get into that path. There was no other place. There was no other place that you were going to see totality. And so if we go back to that path there, in that, uh, I, I just, I like that visual to help remind us that God commands a blessing right there and nowhere else and it is in our best interest and it's for his glory if we get into that path of totality and that path of where he commands a blessing and uh, we can refer back to even some of the other things we talked about this morning where God uh, puts his blessing and you and I should do everything we can 
We should lay aside everything that we can. We should embrace everything we need to to get into that path. And I remember that day, I had about 25 people at my house, my mom and my relatives, and we, we spent a lot of energy, time, and we made sure we were in the path of totality, and we weren't disappointed. Our first thought was, when can we be, where's the next one? You know, we wanted to be there. The path of totality. Then I also wanted to just talk briefly about spinning our wheels. Have ever you had uh, an experience in your life where you just felt like you're spinning your wheels? And I remember it's been about 20 plus years ago that I remember hearing this term of spinning your wheels in, in, the, uh, in the context of authority and being able to grasp the principle of authority and understand it and appreciate it. And when we don't do that, we just tend to spin our wheels. And it comes in various different forms, various different ways. We can be in different vehicles. And I, I never could quite figure out the fascination um, of young men of flying mud and spinning wheels and all those things. It's just you aren't getting anywhere. You know, but somehow it's kind of hilarious. We get a lot of charge out of it. We even have the hamster wheel, and you just <laughs> you're just constantly going, not getting anywhere. I actually was going to put up a picture. I think I missed it. There was a, a picture of a a, a, a double seated bike, and they were facing the opposite directions. And you, in a situation like that, you just get nowhere really fast. And my mind went back to a, a, a man. He was a father, and he had a problem with being under authority. And he had a pattern of that throughout his life. And I remember him sitting in a brother's meeting with 70 men. And there was different ones trying to help him understand, help him see some things. He had a few blind spots like a lot of us do, you know. And, and he, he was a bit frustrated that people weren't, weren't understanding him or accepting him and, and his ways and so on. And finally, in a little bit of a desperation, he turned to the crowd or to the group of 70 men and he asked, how many of you think that I am displaying an independent spirit? And I'm not sure if he was prepared. But I think about 70 hands went up. Sorry, you asked. But it's individuals like that. And you know what? They start here today. They start where you're at. And they, they escalate. And they, they tend, those type of people just tend to spin their wheels again and again and again and they don't learn the lessons that God has and they just their their life is ineffective and we could just go on I think that kind of brings us to the to the close of what I wanted to share and I realize
that there is there's a lot of gaps, and I didn't cover near everything, uh, and I'm hoping that the group discussions, uh, you know, I even had someone leading up to in my studies here talk about, you know, could you address the, uh, the principle of authority as young people get older? Um, how, how, does that, how does that work, you know, older single youth in the home? And all those things, and and those are good questions, and they, and, and I think there's there's not one one uh, solid answer. Although there are principles that, if you embrace those principles, it it gives you guidance. It seems those that embrace the principle in their youth have the easiest job figuring those problems out. Sometimes they are complex, and I'm not denying that. But I wonder sometimes if, if a lot of our frustration comes from just an unwillingness to embrace God's order and God's plan that he has laid out for us. And he's given us opportunity to be, to be challenged right in our homes. And... And I didn't mention it, but there was, uh, there's a lot of the, when I talked about the bigger hammer and the bigger chisel, and I don't know if you really hear a lot about, hear young men talk like that or not, but I've heard over the years and I've heard other people that have, that have heard that is they are so amazed. They talk to these young men and they say, I am so sick and tired of taking orders from my parents. And so they say, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to go join the military. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go join the military. I'm tired of being told what to do. And then a young lady says, I'm I'm tired of being under pressure from mom. It's just, there's so much pressure. And you ask her, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to go get married. Isn't that amazing? We just, we kick this can down the road again and again. And we don't learn the lessons that God has laid out for us in a, in a beautiful way. For the most part, he's given us uh, the opportunity. And I realize, again, there are unique circumstances. There are those that, that uh, may not have parents. There's those that have uh, truly ungodly parents. But I think, even as we heard in, in the example this morning, even in that, there is a principle that we don't want to ignore. If you have ungodly parents, um, you saw very, in a very vivid way that the salvation of somebody was very contingent upon the submissive spirit of their child. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that you are Lord and Savior and that you you care for us. You cherish us and you want your best for us. And that describes your love for us. God's love has the object's very best in mind, in view. And Lord, I pray that we would embrace that love and that we would be able to express that love to one another, to 
those that are under us someday. And Father, just show us the way, all of us together, those that are in authority, those that are under authority. And Lord, as the Bible says, yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility. Lord, I thank you for the promise in your word. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon all of these young people and a blessing on the group discussion. I pray, Lord, that it could be an edifying time. I pray that questions could come up, challenging questions that would help all of us think and, and be able to stretch our minds. Lord, have your way in this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, God bless you. I'll turn it over to the moderator.